Shabbat Shalom. As Rabbi Fryer Bodson just mentioned, it was 25 years ago this Shabbat that I celebrated my bar mitzvah. Parashat Lech Lecha, November 8th, 1997. Interestingly, it was also the Shabbat immediately preceding Remembrance Day, as it is this year. I don't recall anything happening within the service 25 years ago that acknowledged Remembrance Day. When I was a kid, Remembrance Day was not really a big deal. Even living in Ottawa, as I did, the site of the National War Memorial and the official commemoration, Remembrance Day for us was usually a school assembly, a few songs sung by the school choir, and of course, the moment of silence at 11 a.m. The highlight, though, was hearing from a Jewish World War II veteran. There were a few men in the community who had served and had been overseas and who were comfortable sharing their recollections. When they spoke of their experiences to children, they understandably tempered their remarks, not touching on the horrors of war, but instead focusing on the just cause they were engaged in, fighting against Nazism and fascism and the doubly just cause of seeking to help, in some way, the Jews of Europe. This morning's Torah reading recounts the first war in the Bible, the war of the five kings versus the four kings. Right in the middle of the Abraham story, we are interrupted with a narrative that seemingly has nothing to do with our central character. We're instead introduced to nine kings, each by name, and the Torah spends 11 verses describing the historical, political, and military situation. Only in the 12th verse, when it is mentioned that among the prisoners of war is Lot, Avraham's nephew, do we finally understand what this story is doing here. Avraham, along with 318 men, enter the conflict and pursue the captors of Lot, ultimately defeating them, rescuing Lot and the other prisoners of war, coming to acquire the spoils of war, and securing victory for the otherwise about-to-be-defeated side. The king of Sodom, now one of the victors, offers Avraham all the material spoils of war. Avraham declines. He declines because, for Avraham, this is a just war a war with a specific cause to rescue his nephew Lot. He's not interested in getting rich from war, nor in military glory. His family member was in trouble, so he was moved to act to help. In this case, as it happened, the action was military conflict. This story of the Bible's first war carries two parallels to the modern experience of war. Maybe more than two, but two that I'll mention. The first is that the Torah's narrative <coughs> presents many aspects of war that are still with us today. Alliances, rebellion and uprising, prisoners of war, advances and retreats, capture of material goods. Even the descriptions of the physical battlefield carry some resemblance to landscapes reshaped and broken by conflict. While the tools of battle 
have changed immensely over the millennia. The ideas, ideals, and realities of war are remarkably consistent. The other parallel is the concept of a just war. When Canada and Canadians first entered World War I in the late summer of 1914, young men headed off to war almost for the fun of it. War was adventurous. It would bring glory. It would make these young men more attractive in the eyes of female suitors. And most importantly, it would be short. Spend the fall of 1914 in Europe fighting, they thought, and then come back home to continue their lives, but with the added value of a few military medals, some pictures in uniform, and some great stories. That is, of course, if they ever made it home at all. For Canadians, I would argue, World War I was not a just war. We joined the war out of obligation because Britain declared war. Germany and its allies were of no threat to us, nor a threat to anything existential about the world or our worldview. The greatest tragedy of the supposed war to end all wars was that it was so unnecessary and not a conflict about any deeply meaningful global cause. It was a war brought into being due to alliances, hubris, and pride. And it became a prolonged conflict because one side could not quickly defeat the other. In contrast, World War II, the war I grew up hearing about from veterans when I was a child, was the opposite. It was a just war like none other, a war to defeat an existential threat to the Western democratic tradition, to defeat the racist oppressor of Jews, of gays, Roma, and countless other religious, ethnic, political, and social groups. To fight against and defeat Nazi Germany was to fight to preserve our way of life, to fight against the country that without provocation invaded Poland, then Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and on and on. A major reason why 25 years ago this very Shabbat, I don't recall any commemoration of Remembrance Day at synagogue, in contrast to what we experienced this morning and have experienced for many years under the excellent creative direction of Cantor Sidney Ezer, is because 25 years ago, Canada had not fought a just war since World War II. That changed, of course, with the war in Afghanistan after 9-11. In that war, for the first time since the early 1950s, Canada lost soldiers in active combat. We experienced the pain of seeing processions driving down Highway 401 as bodies of dead soldiers were repatriated. We were reminded what it meant to sacrifice one's life for the pursuit of particular ideals and on behalf of one's country. The war in Afghanistan rekindled Canadians' relationship with Remembrance Day. More people began attending ceremonies. More began wearing poppies. More stopped at 11 a.m. on November 11th to observe a moment of silence. 
And even though the Afghanistan conflict <coughs> eventually got bogged down in mission creep and nation building, and was ultimately unsuccessful in leaving a lasting legacy of democracy and women's rights, we, the Canadian public, were changed. We still are changed. While Canadian soldiers are not on the ground in Ukraine, there is no doubt that we as a society are currently fighting another just war. The circumstances of Putin's Russia are more similar to 1930s Germany than I would have thought before writing this sermon. An authoritarian regime seeking to restore the country's former glory. No free press. No tolerance of dissent. The imprisonment and targeted killings of political opponents and investigative journalists. An initial successful attempt at acquiring sovereign territory of another nation unchallenged by the global community. And then, a full-scale invasion, unprovoked, of a neighboring country that draws the condemnation of the democratic world. We are all fighters in this war. We fight by accepting higher gas prices. We fight by supporting our government's decision to assist Ukraine with humanitarian and military aid. We fight by welcoming Ukrainian refugees <coughs> to our country, to our city, and into our home. We fight by donating items to the Ukrainian newcomer markets and by supporting organizations like JAYAS and UJA Federation with our time and our dollars. At the end of his just war, Abraham is greeted by a new character in the story, Malchit Tzedek, the king of a place called Shalem. Shalem and Malchit Tzedek are not involved in the war of the five kings versus the four kings, and he and his city seemingly appear out of nowhere. What does Malchit Tzedek do? He blesses Avraham and brings him bread and wine. Many of our commentators note that the bread and wine represent sustenance for the beleaguered warriors returning from battle. If we are all involved in this current just war, then we must take care of each other and provide sustenance where we can. The cost of this fight is real. Some are suffering economically with lots of ramifications and difficult decisions. Others are worried about family members, especially Ukrainian newcomers to Canada who had to leave people behind. Others are existentially shaken, seeing that it is not only Russia that has fallen under the control of right-wing autocrats. Carrying the day-to-day -day emotional strain of our broken world is part of this conflict, too. We need the faith of Abraham and the fight of Abraham. The faith to carry forward and to trust that better things are on the other side. Just as Avraham did when he heeded God's call to Lech Lecha to pick up and leave everything he knew to go and start a new nation. And the fight to not stand idly by, but to take action, to actively work to better our world, our community, 
and our society. <clears throat> May the memories of all who fell in battle and those impacted in countless other ways by war give us strength to take on these tasks that we must. Like Avraham, let our sense of justice lead us to success in the battles of our own time. Shabbat Shalom.